Welcome to the Loved Called Gifted podcast. This is your place to come for musings about spirituality, identity and purpose. I'm your host, Catherine Cowell. So in this episode, I am really delighted to be joined by Hannah Lambert. Hi, Hannah. Thank you ever so Hello. much. We met at a retreat, so a few months ago now, and got on really well. And one of the things that we did as part of that retreat was sharing reflections. And you had a habit of bringing some really profound, really interesting, well-written stuff. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? I'm Hannah. I am almost 40 and have plans for quite an extravagant celebration. So I'm planning to embrace my 40s rather than fear them. And it handily falls on the Sunday of a bank holiday. Oh, brilliant. Which is marvellous. I mean, that's excellent planning from my parents that many is. years ago. Well, so, well done your parents. Yeah, well well done, Mum. I so think. the most important thing <laughs> So the most important thing about you is what you can do for your 40th. So what are you gonna do for your 40th? Oh a big party. Just yeah. a big but I love people, I love music, I love laughter. So I actually quite like a gin and tonic or yeah. a glass of wine or, you know, half a bottle of vinegar. Um <laughs> so so yeah, lots of food, fun, laughter, people. And I think post COVID, you know, it's made people really think about what, what they love and and what they want to spend their money and their time on. And it turns out I'm a massive socialite and I just want to be with people eating all of the time. So, yeah. So, yeah. I drag along into that world my long-suffering husband, uh, Dave, and our two children who are 12 and 8, two girls. Life is full. We live all together with my father-in-law as well. Mm-hmm. You know, when people say oh, I'm a people person, and you kind of think, oh, that's a bit of a kind of vague, non-thing, but yeah. I'm more embracing my people personness the older I get, and and just, you know, I really, I really, really love being with people, socialising, hearing stories, having a coffee yeah. with or lunch with people is just my favourite thing in the world to do. So, so, yeah, I am a people person and proud of it. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> Talking of people, I have asked my son upstairs to kind of keep the noise down, but there's no guarantees that he will. So we might just have to pause for a moment and redo something if there is noise. Or we, might... <laughs> <laughs> or we might just leave the naturalness. Yeah. Of... And the reflection I'm sharing today actually fits in extraordinarily well with... The possibility uh, of interruption. The possibility. <laughs> well, I would say the guarantee of interruption. interruption. <laughs> I think life has a guarantee yeah. of interruption, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, so having shared about the fact that you're a massive people person, I noticed that the title of your reflection is Finding Silence. Yeah. So here is Finding Silence by <laughs> Hannah Lambert. Okay. I walk in search of silence. 60 minutes with one instruction. Quiet. No washing machine shouting at me to tell me it's done. No Amazon deliveries. No phone call from school. Desperately hoping it's nothing to worry about rather than your child's finger is pointing the wrong way and you need to take them to A&E. No email notifications with another task to add to my to-do list. No shouting from downstairs as my deaf father-in-law gives instructions over the phone of how to do online banking to his even deafer sister. 
just 60 minutes with one instruction, quiet. Except it seems that the memo wasn't delivered. Not to the cars in the distance, nor to the planes in the sky, nor to the workman fixing the lawnmower with his drill or the team who've chosen this moment to chainsaw a fallen tree. The memo wasn't delivered to the birds in the trees who are mid-choir practice for tomorrow's dawn chorus, or the sheep who have evidently started a debate club and have reached the passionate climax of their argument. The memo wasn't delivered to the farmer with his plough, nor the whistling of the passerby. And so my walk in search of silence feels impossible. So much noise. None of it louder than the noise in my mind, of my to-do list, my questions, my embarrassments, my failures, the choices I need to make, my regrets, my pride, my worry, my question of who am I? Did I mention my to-do list? So how? How do I escape the noise? How do I stop and sit and block out the noise? The silence is deafening. Hmm. Thank you. So you wrote that whilst we were on retreat. Yeah. In the context of the fact that we were all invited to go and spend just 60 minutes in the morning <laughs> yeah. in quiet. Yeah. And um, when we were invited on this retreat, there was mention of spending some time in silence and we had a WhatsApp group of people um, who were going on the retreat and there was there was a lot of responses, I d you'll remember Catherine, yeah. of um, people freaking out at the thought of having to be quiet and having to be silent and oh my goodness I can't and it quickly transpired it wasn't a silent retreat where we had to spend five mute days but uh, just 60 minutes a day and I think that I went wanting to embrace it because life is so noisy and, you know, I'm a massive socialite, but also life is full and we've got lots going on. And we've been talking today about just the struggle in finding that space. So when somebody says, here you are, have a retreat, and then every day you get an hour, you think, oh, wonderful. Like, you know, I'm, it's mm -hmm. going to be glorious and I'm going to think all these thoughts and God's going to talk to me and it's going to be marvellous and wonderful. And actually, the reality is, is that noise isn't just made up of... Amazon deliveries and phone calls from school and washing machines and even in the quietest place in the countryside noise is there and none of it is louder than thought and how do you stop and be still and listen and at that point in the retreat I felt a real jarring of this mm. a real discomfort and a real sort of I don't know how to do this I felt really ill-equipped yeah. to be quiet and having done you know, 12 years of parenting, I think that that creates a lot of excess noise, doesn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. Having kids. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I felt really ill-equipped. And I think, you know, we we were challenged to share if we wanted to what had happened in the silence. And I think I walked into that room and I thought, actually, the, the, what's happened is I felt really frustrated. I can't switch off my mind. I can't switch off the noise even in the most lovely surroundings and environment, this is really tough. Yeah. One of the things that I loved about that reflection was just the honesty of it and the really clear description of what that noise feels like. You know, you'd think, oh, it's all going to be tranquil. And then suddenly yeah. it's, you realise that it's not. Yeah. And then maybe there's a reason that you keep the radio on all the time. And there's a reason that it's quite helpful to, you know, you put the music on in the car because actually there's also noise going on inside. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think we often have these thoughts of, you know, people talk about their quiet times and their, you know, I go for these sort of long walks in the hills on my own and people people talk very positively about having those sacred spaces where they can be on their own. But I think like all things, there's a flip side to that and there's another side to that. And when it's so juxtaposed to your every day, it's a skill that you have to acquire and you have to learn and you have to you have to work at and it's it's symptomatic of maybe deeper things that are going on you know why is it that we can't block out the noise why is it that the thoughts are really loud and it's helpful sometimes to actually call it what it is and and say this is really tough and I don't know what to do. So did it shine a light on particular things that were going on for you that kind of well actually I can't to be quiet? Yeah, I think I'd always felt a real guilt. Like my uh, my mum and dad are wonderful, you know, just the the best people. Every morning they have a quiet time. So mm. my mum has always found a space in our house and every day the door gets shut and everybody knows it's mum's quiet time for as long as I can remember. Even when I was tiny, I remember that was mum's space. And I think for me, that was the kind of the mecca of... <laughs> Of quiet times, you know, the kind of the that's what we need to aspire to. And I'm a very different character to my to my mum in some ways. I think, you know, when you get older you realise you're more like your parents than than you think sometimes. That's definitely happened to me. But I think I saw that as the gold standard yeah. of a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. That you have to have that half an hour or that twenty minutes quiet time every day. And I think it confronted me with the reality that I felt like a terrible Christian Mm. and like I did not have my stuff together and it had been a struggle and maybe the reasons why it was what is it you you can take me out of the noise but you can't take the noise out of me yeah and and actually how do I have those intimate times with Jesus despite not being able to sit and do meditation and contemplative because that feels like a real barrier Mm. And so and I'm not saying that stuff's bad at all. I think it's it's excellent and it's great, but it can't be the only thing in order to connect with Jesus. Oh, completely. That was a real kind of revelation of, because in, in the retreat that we went to, we were very much immersed in that we are loved sons and daughters of God. And so how does being a loved daughter of God go hand in hand with the noise in my head? And the two can sit together hand in hand. Yes. Because interestingly, parents love their kids even if they're loud. Mm. Funny that. Isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Love is not reserved for the quiet introverts who'd like to sit in the corner and read. Yeah. So have you found ways that those two things have kind of come together? So I've always loved writing and I write blogs and... I remember very little about school, but I remember writing real life. Yeah. Um, It's something that I love doing and actually have struggled to find time to write. I had a blog for a little while, but, you know, life. Mm. (laughs) And I think I have found that writing in those quiet spaces for me really helps to focus my mind and help me to to hear. And I think a lot of... If you don't trust the the voice that you're hearing, it's easier to drown it out. Yeah. And I think actually writing it out 
means that I can reflect on it and go, oh, actually, that doesn't feel right at a later point or let me develop that thought a little bit more. So I think, I think for me, actually, in writing down that silence wasn't there and it was really hard has actually given me a tool to be able to embrace the silence and wait for God to speak mm. and me to channel that through writing stuff down, which I guess is journaling, isn't it? Yeah. Effectively. But I've never been very good at stuff that feels like a solution to a... You know, like, you know, just do this and then you'll be fine. And just do this and then you'll be fine because I'm inherently a rebel. I don't know if you knew that about me, Catherine. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't really like the rules, but actually... So call it journaling and I won't do it, but call it just hanging out with Jesus and seeing what he says and writing some stuff down. Then I'm yeah. fine with that. Yeah, because journaling's gone a bit cool, hasn't it? Oh, it's a bit on trend. Oh, on trend. You wouldn't want to be on trend. Huh? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. No way. That would mean that I would have to have one book where I write stuff, whereas what I have is post-it notes and random notepads that I, when you say to me, why don't we talk about some of your reflections? And I say, excellent. I'd have to look in 15 notebooks before I find <laughs> the one that I wrote in. <laughs> oh dear but actually you know having that quiet space and and I think you know I'm still on a journey with that I'm still Mm. trying to find those times when I can sit and listen and write and I get and I think partly actually I'm I'm good when there's accountability in that so Catherine and I went out for lunch today and then she made me walk along the canal didn't you I did drop me off in a random car park in Stoke (laughs) and then made me walk along the canal on my own that sounds awful yeah you did it was can I point out this is a (laughs) this is a car park next to a nice pub next to a canal yeah it was at the back end of Stoke in a village in a village but apart from being dropped in a random car park it's a bit like hunted isn't it you know find your way back (laughs) Um, <laughs> I but, resist. I resist this portrayal. <laughs> but but actually having having that time was great, and I feel like you know I was able to write some stuff down and think about some stuff that I want to do, and and it was so helpful. And it, a few weeks ago, we'd had a really tough time at work, and a colleague and I just spent the afternoon together, and as part of the processing, what was going on. We said, let's go and ha- have 45 minutes on our own. Let's go off, have a think, see what God says. And and she came back with some thoughts and I came back with another piece of writing that I'd, mm-hmm. I'd jotted down. And I think it when I do it, it's so helpful. So, so helpful. I just need to, it's that not falling into kind of religious, I have to do it every Monday morning and yeah. Friday, Friday lunchtime or whatever, but actually... Because life is chaotic and my mm-hmm. circumstances are extremely chaotic at the minute and I don't know what I'm doing one day to the next, but actually when I do have those moments of I can have an hour is embracing it. Yeah, um, and, em- and embracing the fact that it's not going to happen all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think one of the interesting things which people kind of overplay is the fact that Jesus sometimes went up a mountainside mm. to be by himself with God. Mm. What we don't know from the text is how often he yeah. did that. And so quite often what comes back is this expectation of Jesus went up the mountain. Mm. He must have done it every day, therefore you must do it every day. And we don't necessarily know that because things were chaotic yeah. and because there were crowds around the place mm. and there often was 
wasn't space in Jesus's life. So maybe it was like those gems that you get where sometimes there was the opportunity to go and do it. But we don't know how often it was. Yeah. I don't know how many times it's recorded. If it's only the number of times that we've got in the Gospels, it wasn't very often at all. Yeah. If it was the mythical quiet time, well, it was obviously up the mountain every morning, but maybe it was more often, but we don't know. Yeah. I think also it's not the only way that no, I connect with God. <laughs> you know, it's not. And that was going to be my other, that was going to be my other question, yeah. which is where do you connect with God in the noise? What are the noisier pieces of connection? Where else does it happen? I think, I think it happens all the time, doesn't it? You know, you can be in a hospital room having those sudden moments where you see the spirit at work or you go for a coffee with a friend and you're reminded of something Mm -hmm. that god has done or you see the kindness of a stranger i mean i think parenting gives you multiple times where you have to just trust in jesus and sit and hear the quiet reminder of the value in the everyday and i think Mm. i think so often I fell into the trap of I have to live this sensationalist life, mm. you know, these where I make this big impact and and I have these big moments. And I think, you know, we grew up with the what was Toronto, uh, blessing. Toronto blessing. And, yeah. you know, I grew up as a teenager in that era of mm. big, tangible moves of God where he would do something amazing. And, and actually, so much of God is in the making spag bowl and serving your kids and and picking them up from school and laying your life down for other people in some capacity is so like christ isn't it you know just i just think there are these beautiful moments that we can see regularly and hear from god and these just nuggets all the time that we can miss if we pursue something too grandioso yeah when we were talking earlier you were talking about the fast and the slow work Mm. of the spirit and and that interesting observation actually that in jesus's life the fast work of the spirit often happened when he met somebody just the once and something really significant happened but actually with his disciples that was much slower yeah and parenting is like that (laughs) isn't it so i'm just thinking of i'm just thinking of my two who came home aged sort of three and five Mm. having had a difficult time elsewhere so we've not been a family for the length of time that they've been alive Mm. and that has been slow yeah but it's been all of those little consistent lots and lots of little moments of connection and love yeah that have deepened our relationship. Yeah. And I think back to my own Christian life and how angsty actually I was and how scared of God I was when I was a Christian sort of in my early 20s. And I don't feel like that anymore. And it really mirrors that journey that I've seen my kids go on of kind of entering a new family, a new home, really very, very scared Mm. and scared of connection and scared of relationship. And I'm not saying that all of that has completely disappeared, but Mm. we're sort of 11 years down the line and there is a real softening and a relaxing and a joy in being together Yeah, that has grown. Yeah. In the same way that for me, there is a real joy in being with God that has grown. I'm yeah. not, I'm not so scared anymore, mm. but it's been, it's been a slow work of the spirit. Yeah. A slow work, but a beautiful one. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this, so I would say the kind of word that describes my last 10 years has been well, five years at least, but has been one of unlearning. Yeah. Unlearning 
the falsehoods that I've absorbed from all over the place. You know, there is not like one person that I can credit hmm. my bad theology to <laughs> effectively. You know, it was, it was, I just felt the constant need to please God and to do better because I wasn't good enough. You know, and that was just overarching, this desperate need to be acknowledged and this desperate need to be seen as good enough by God and just learning that I am good enough because he is good enough. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And what what is love about if it's not yeah. about delighting in someone? Yeah, absolutely. So how we get to this point of, of constantly telling one another that we need to try harder and do better because God is probably a bit disappointed is the underlying message, isn't it? Mm, yes. You're obviously not praying hard yeah. enough because you need to listen to this sermon and decide that the best thing to do now is to pray more. Yeah. I, my um, oldest daughter had obstructive sleep apnea. When yeah. she until she was seven, she had her tonsils taken out. So it's where tonsils are so huge mm. that your airway blocks during your sleep. And she had this horrible condition that we didn't know what it was and she didn't sleep ever you know she would sleep for an hour at a time and then wake up and we were in this perpetual cycle of just being awake <laughs> felt like all the time and I remember going to somebody and just being like I am so I'm broken but, you know anyone with a, a new baby just that tiredness of I haven't slept and I have to be responsible for someone is crippling and I remember them advising me to get up earlier to pray <laughs> was their advice and oh, at the time I tried it for one day and I you know I was more broken than than before and now I look back and I think and I, and I don't think they would say the same thing now mm. because they've grown and they've been loved by Jesus and you know but I just think oh my goodness you know that's that's some of the unlearning that you have yes. to do is that you know and now I think if that was my child going through that with their child I would say give me the baby go upstairs and have, have a snooze. nap. Yeah, absolutely. Have a nap. And you're great. Keep going. But, you know, I know we've talked about kind of the kind of angry God culture that has been around. And I just think so much of my last five years has been learning that God delights in me. He delights in me mm. and he loves me and he loves me and he loves me. And that's the most important foundation rather than he's angry with me. <laughs> and yeah. I must try harder. Absolutely. So coming back to your silence mm. and that retreat, I wonder how God spoke to you in, in the days following that, having confronted the silence thing mm. and still having several days worth of get up for an hour and spend time. I wonder if you were able to be more relaxed in the ones that came afterwards. No, I don't think I was at all. I think I got really grumpy. I struggled. You know, I yeah. think... I don't think I had this like epiphany on day one of, oh, love to hear silence is to be embraced and, and I'm going to write and it's going to be marvellous. I think I really struggled with that. And I hmm. wrote a couple of ref reflective bits after that. And I think there was just a real kind of awareness of, you know, sometimes when stuff gets brought into the light. Yeah. You know, like if you've got a weird lump and then finally you go to the GP and you go, oh, I've got this weird lump, but oh, it's nothing. It's fine. It's just... And they go, oh, no, actually, it's a problem and it needs cutting out and yeah. um, and removing. And I think, I think that retreat for me was an exposing time where God shone mm -hmm. light on some of, some of my stuff that I had to give back to him. And that, that was painful. Mm. And, and I didn't really know anyone on the retreat either. You know, like yeah. I'm delighted to have met the people that I did and have formed friendships and 
and it was a real time of blessing as well but it it's hard it's hard yeah. when you go into that arena and and there is a, a sense of loneliness mm. and well what do i what do i do now because because it's lovely having this stuff exposed when you're in the safety of a nice nice venue and nice food that you're not cooking and you're not you're not washing and you don't have anyone else to look after for those few days but actually you know when you're back in mm. in the thick of it and in in life and in the reality that the biggest thing was exchanging my thought process of being a servant of God. Yeah. who was never quite good enough to a child of God who's deeply loved yes. and is enough. And I think, you know, it sounds really trite and a bit kind of, you know. But it's actually profound. Oh, it's utterly profound. It's profound. And I think, you know, I've heard that so many times. You're a child of God, you're a child. But, but you sometimes, you know, God does some like, heart surgery on you and that for me was a bit of a heart surgery moment which has been profound since yeah Um, but it you know was incredibly difficult at the time yeah I would observe though that you know you're talking about often hear people saying you are a child of God Mm. I would observe though that frequently that happens in the context of people who are also saying to you but you need to pray more you need to do more of this you need to do more of that (laughs) And there is something about having permission to simply be yourself and being in a place where you are being encouraged to just relax and be and be yourself and where there isn't a whole pile of, well, we're going to work harder and we're going to do more. So I wonder whether there was something about that lack of expectation to to kind of come away with a sort of spiritual to-do list that was maybe helpful. Oh, really helpful. And I think I went expecting to come home with a spiritual to-do list. Mm. And I think, you know, the gold standard, like I said before, for me had been half an hour quiet time in the morning with God. And I had to come away Mm. almost not having that to lean on because it it actually is comforting when you Mm. have something to aspire that you know will sort your life out. But actually... Because your life isn't sorted out, it's because you failed. It puts your hope in you. It also keeps the expectation of change in something fairly small yeah. and theoretically manageable. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. if I can just have if a I quiet just, time. Yeah. And it will be better. I just need to do a bit better at having yeah. my half hour quiet time. Yeah. So you're right to come away from that and say, that thing doesn't work. So that's not going to be the answer. Yeah. There are lots of things in life like that, aren't there? Mm. Where there's this sort of, if you just, if you just become fitter Mm. or if you just lose some weight Mm. or if you just sort out the right way of writing your to-do list, Mm. then that will sort it all out. And it's that tension between the fast and the slow, because sometimes it is an instant change in behaviour that can unlock something in your relationship with God. It is that dealing with that thing that you've Mm. always struggled with and verbalising it and praying into it, or there is that creating a new habit that can do something, but actually it is that slow learning and discipleship and filtering out the rubbish and learning more of God and Mm -hmm. the still small voice and the just slowly following him and trusting him and even when I'm not doing all of those things that I should be doing that I've been taught are the fruit of a Christian mm. are reading my Bible, praying, giving to charity. And actually the, the fruit, the fruit of the spirit is love and yeah. patience and kindness and, you know, and, 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 and mainly think, love and mainly love and yeah. mainly love. And actually that stuff take constant 
learning and unlearning and and it's this like beautiful patience that god has with us and allows us in his kindness these kind of spaces to go i love you first and foremost i love you and i love you <laughs> and you're not my servant you know no, you're yeah. not here to fulfill a list of things to do for me you're my child and i yeah. love you and that that is a hugely vulnerable place to be yeah because you don't have a have the crutch of something that you can do to prove that you're good enough. Yes, you just have to be. Yeah. And you're also letting go of that crutch of, well, I'm almost there, but I just need to sort these things yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. It also interests me in our conversation that actually you started off by saying, I'm embracing the fact that I'm a people person. Yeah. And then you talked about the silence. Yeah. You talked about the silence and the trickiness of that and discovering the journaling. And then one of the things that I've noticed is that actually the journaling becomes easier in the context of other people. Mm. So, for example, being with your work colleague mm. who said, and you both said, well, we'll go and spend a bit of time. And then you did your journaling and you came back. Mm. So, yeah, there is something, isn't there, just about embracing the way that we are and we do things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, that's been a revelation fairly recently that... Mm. that it sounds ridiculous, but not everyone is a people person. And it is a gift. It really is, yeah. You know, and I think I always thought, oh, I'm a people person, but everyone's a people person if they just do. But, but actually, the thing that doesn't float my boat is a tick list and mm. a to-do list and having to, you know, I think I reference that in my reflection that, you know, to, did I mention my to-do list? And I've, it is like a dark cloud over my head. Mm. Whereas being with people is sunshine to me. So yeah. actually, how can we do the things that are good for our soul in the way that, that is helpful? And for you, there's an element of adding some community into that, yeah. adding some people. Even if the only thing that the people are doing is saying, oh, well, let's both disappear off in yeah. different directions and do some reflecting and come yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wish I had embraced parts of my character sooner mm. than I have. And that comes back to believing that somebody delights in you. Mm. Yeah. And thinks that those things are really cool. And has created me to be that. You yes. know, I have been yeah. created to be around people. Yeah. And I think that gives you a kind of... Like, oh, wow, actually God's created me to be like this. So how can we do that together? How can yeah. we bless people? How can we love people? How can we do that with this thing that he's put in me, like the gift of, of administration? You know, every church who handles a budget is desperate, aren't they, for some kind of financially savvy administrator who, for the benefit of God's people mm. and the church and the bride of Christ, can use their gifting and I think, gosh, actually, there's a, there's a real responsibility to have in the gifts that, that you have. And it can be used as a real blessing. Yeah. Like, it's a great thing for God to put something in you and how he's created us. And so, yeah, I'm just... I'm just remembering, um, and maybe we'll finish with this, the quote by the great Saint Oscar Wilde, who said, "Be your... <laughs> who said, be yourself, everyone else is taken. Yeah, absolutely. It's really hard when we look at the kind of gold standard of Christianity when it doesn't fit with who you are. Mm. So we have to rethink that. We have to. And actually the gold standard, the gold standard of being a Christ follower is love. Yeah. So let's do more love and less yeah. lists. Definitely. Unless you're a list person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you ever so much, Hannah. That's been great. Thank you for having me. 
Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Loved Called Gifted podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email lovedcalledgifted at gmail.com. You can find a transcript of this podcast at lovedcalledgifted.com. And that's also the place to go if you're interested in the Loved Called Gifted course, or if you'd like to find out about spiritual direction or coaching. Thank you for listening. <laughs>